Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. When we focus on only one aspect of who God is, we can get dangerously close to heresy by having a lopsided view of Him. And in today's episode, Francis highlights an attribute of God he feels he's neglected his whole life and invites us to join him in drawing near to an incredible reality, God's throne of grace. Jesus, we thank you for your presence with us today. We worship you. We praise you. We love your presence. Almighty God, what an honor, what a joy to worship you tonight. God, now would you move in us through your word? Would you encourage us through your word? Right now, God, I ask that you would just cause faith to fall upon everyone in this room. That they would hear your word and believe it. Like every bit of it, God. I pray right now against anything demonic that's going on in this room, that we cast it out in the name of Jesus. God, all the lies that we have believed that people have told us in the name of Jesus, we take those captive and we cast it out. Your word is true. Your words are high above all of our thoughts, all of our ideas, all of our arrogant, you know, what we call intelligent thinking, God. Your word is just light years beyond all of that. And so we have come to hear from you. So God, speak to us through your mighty, powerful, gracious word. In Jesus' name, amen. I am, I am super excited to open up the word of God to you guys today. Um, I mean, I love teaching the word of God, first of all. Um, I've really enjoyed just teaching one group regularly again. I haven't done this in a long time. And uh, it just is, I don't know, there's just something that feels very right about it at this time. It's kind of like, I remember when Elvis stopped singing and he just did acting for a while. It just wasn't quite right. And then he got back to music and it was like, okay. That's the way I feel about preaching, not to use a stupid, you know, illustration. But it, it's almost like it just feels very familiar and very at home, like, well, this is what I made you for. And uh, I don't know, when I study the Word of God and I think about you guys and I, I, I get excited to share things with you. Um, and not just so that you understand something. Um, but that something would happen to you as the word of God is, is taught. Because I believe there's something that's going to happen tonight uh, for some of you. First, let's, let's, let's go back to last week. I want to remind you of last week what we talked about, just so that we don't just move ahead to something and uh, forget what, uh, what we talked about last week. So last week we're in Hebrews chapter 12, and remember these verses at the end of the chapter. Therefore, let us be grateful 
for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Okay, let's not forget this. This is what we talked about last week. We went all through the book of, or or through that chapter of Hebrews 12, and we talked at the end about how we should be grateful because we are receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken. Okay, did you come in with gratitude? See, 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 last night we talked about, or last week we talked about the holiness of God. And, and we talked about how the fear of the Lord is our treasure and how the fear of the Lord, it's, it's like this, these springs of living water. It's, 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 it's springs of life to us. It's a good thing. You know, people don't talk about the fear of God. They, tr- they treat it like that's a bad thing. And the Bible says, no, that's actually your treasure. Because the thing is, is when you recognize you have this God who's sitting on this throne and he's so like so far beyond us and so powerful, you remember how he described him as like this tempest and this darkness, this gloom. And then you realize, wow, that all powerful God that I need to come before in reverence and awe, that God is for me, so who can be against me? <laughs> you understand, like this is our treasure. If you see God as this little like man that you can argue with and, and you know, you're gonna, you're gonna question things he did at the end of your life, who cares if he's for you? Like what's he gonna do for you? But the fact that we have this God who who came down in fire on the top of this mountain and everyone is terrified of him. And I go, and that God is for me. And he says he's made me a part of his kingdom, which is unshakable. Like, do you understand? Like, this is why we're grateful. If you don't understand the holiness of God, then you're not going to see the worth of him being for you. So we come with reverence. Just like, uh, you know, we read in, uh, in Hebrews about Jesus, his, his prayers were heard because of his reverence. So even the son of God, the reason why the father heard him was because of his reverence. It was a prayer. It was a sacrifice. Like like here he says, it's acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Okay? Don't forget that our God is a consuming fire and that consuming fire is on my side. He is with me. And he's made me a part of his kingdom. And no one can snatch me out of his hands. There's no power greater than him. The holiness of God is our treasure. This is what makes us fearless. This is what makes us secure. Because we're a part of that kingdom. But here's why I'm excited to share with you guys this week. As we're reading through Hebrews in our Bible reading, and I sure hope you're following along with us. Um, When I got to Hebrews 4, I just... I 
I don't know. I mean, I read on, but I'm just, I keep going back. Like I am stuck on this right now. I am fixated on Hebrews four. Hebrews four verses 14 to 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Okay, it's really that, that last verse there, verse 16, that, that just, he says, therefore, let us then with confidence draw near. You remember when Justin talked a few weeks about going to the sun and how close would you get to the sun before you would just disintegrate? You would just turn into nothing. You would just cease to exist. It's just this whole idea of, and, and, and think about the God who made this son, who says, look, no one can see my face and live. And those people that were terrified to come to the mountain, you know, they just like, gosh, we don't want to hear his voice. We're going to die. This God is so far beyond us. But then you get to Hebrews 4, And he says, let us then with confidence draw near. Okay, this is crazy. It it almost sounds like a contradiction, right? Wait, on the one hand, he is so unapproachable. And yet here, he's commanding us to draw near. Like what Christ did on the cross. Okay, this is how powerful the cross is. Yes, absolutely. There's no way I could walk into his presence. You don't go and challenge this God. You don't tell him what a good person you are. Everyone on this planet who thinks they're going to come before God and convince him that they were good people, they are so off. You can't, they're not even going to be able to approach that throne. But then those of us who understand, hey, I have nothing to offer you, but I believe you sent your son to die for me. And I believe in his mercy. I believe in his grace. The Bible, he, he tells us to confidently draw near to the throne of grace. I've been asking God to help me communicate this because this has not been my strength. Okay. I've been really convicted by this passage in a great way. Um,
We have to be so careful when we talk about him, right? I know some day, sometimes people say, well, I think God is like, I think God, you guys be careful. Just any time you say God, what precedes that, what comes after that, because you don't want to mess up people's understanding of him with your thoughts, your feelings. And yet at the same time, we're human, right? And, and we're never going to get it perfect. And we're trying to explain his word. But even, even in explaining his word, there's certain things that jump out to each of us. Like if we all just read this, these, these three verses, you know, I'd say, hey, what'd you get out of it? What did you get out of it? What did you get out of it? What did you get? You'd all, different things will jump out at you. It, it, it's just like tonight, we're driving down the street right here, right here, okay? Not even a block away. And you know, all the restaurants right there. And, and there was a restaurant that caught Lisa's eye. It's called Barfia, B-A-R-F-I-A. And she's like, wow, that's a weird name for a place to eat, Arfia. And uh, I didn't even notice that, but it caught her eye. I noticed uh, the noodle shop. <laughs> I just, I, I've noticed it a few times, like, I want to go there. Um, you know how, in, in the same way, in Scripture, we, we see certain things. And sometimes maybe it's because we want to see them or maybe um, different things jump out to you at different times of life. And, and we have to be careful because we can be heretical. Not just by saying something that is not true about God, but if we are lopsided in our teaching and we overemphasize one thing, there's like a form of heresy in that. Okay, so, so if all you talk about is God's mercy and you never talk about his justice, there's a, there's a bit of heresy in that. Even though you're not technically saying anything that's not true, but by overemphasizing one thing to the neglect of these other attributes of God, it can be pretty close to heretical, if not heretical. And if you want to talk about the love of God, and not talk about the times when God says, I hate. Again, you're, 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 you're pulling out things that jump out to you, things that you like. And so we talk about his blessing, but maybe not his punishment. We talk about heaven, but we don't talk about hell. It's just the completion of it all. And and uh, having said that, um, I, I mean this, I, I really feel bad about and uh, convicted about maybe overemphasizing certain 
aspects of God's nature and not being fair to the totality of God. And I noticed it while I was looking at this passage. When it says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. I'm like, how have I never till this week thought about that phrase, the throne of grace? If you were to ask me, hey, tell me about the throne of God, I'm like, okay, this is like one of my favorite topics. You know, in Isaiah, he's sitting on his throne, he's lofty and exalted. You know, he's got these angels, they're covering themselves. He's sitting on this throne. The train of his robe fills the temple. No, and let me tell you about Ephesians 4, I mean, Revelation 4. Someone read it tonight. Like, he's sitting up there on the throne. There's lightning coming from his throne. There's thunder coming from his throne. There's four living beings around his throne. I mean, it's a holy throne. And these angels are just saying, holy, holy, holy. And so when I think of his throne, man, that's what I think of. I think about the judgment seat. Then he's coming as the judge, and it's a great white throne judgment. And then I'm reading this this week, and I'm going, the throne of grace? God, how did I miss that? How did I miss the throne of grace? I feel like God was revealing things to me like, well, for one, I tend to look at the world and I go, man, I look at the church and I see the overemphasis to the point of where I go, man, it feels heretical. We keep talking about his mercy. We keep talking about his grace. We keep talking about his love. And I agree with all that, but no one's talking about his holiness. No one's talking about his wrath. No one, you know, and so, so I think I, I try to, you know, like push people and teach what they might not know. It'd be like if I were to open a restaurant in East Palo Alto, I would not open a Mexican restaurant. Because those of us who live there know every single restaurant is Mexican. So let me open up a Chinese, let me open, let me take the noodle shop and bring it over. I want to bring something new. I want to balance things out. It, nothing against, you know, beans and rice, it's great. I love it, I love it. Lo siento, pero... It's just this idea of, man, let me bring some balance. And so I feel like that's kind of what I've done. It's like I'm, I'm talking about this, but then have I been fair? And do my eyes not catch these other parts of Scripture because I get fixated on that? God was showing me too. I mean, my training was in... You know, in seminary, it was, it was just all about, let me tell you how messed up everyone is, how messed up you are, and it's just like, and Jesus has to be the Lord of your life. Are you sure he's the Lord of your life? Are you sure he's really the master of your life? And this is good stuff. 
But the focus was always about how messed up and how much I failed and failed and failed. And God was also showing me this week that I, I, I have more baggage than I realize. Because I had a dad that I could not approach ever. I'm not going to tell him, uh, you know, anything that I did wrong. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a conversation with him. He doesn't want a conversation with, you, you know, all of this because I had a dad that where I never saw going to him as I'll receive some grace here. Never. I can clearly say never. There's one time when I thought, okay, I did something wrong, but I've been so nice to my mom. She might not tell my dad, but she told him, and he beat the heck out of me. Every time, I just feel like, like if I close the door a little too loudly, he'd come running out and just start beating me. So it was the opposite of grace. Let me give you more punishment than what you deserve. And so I, I, I can see how, you know, God was just showing me, look, so your eyes are going to, to these, the, the seat of judgment, this holy seat. But to, to call it a throne of grace, the thought of confidently coming before this throne of grace, just I can walk right up to this throne and receive grace. Man, that if, if you get nothing else from this talk, remember that phrase, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Grace is when someone gives you something you didn't earn. It's like a undeserved blessing. You did nothing for it. Like this is what his throne is about. It's grace. Is it holy? Yes. Is there lightning and thunder and fire? Yes. Is he beyond what we could see right? Yes. Are we allowed through Christ to draw near to it? Yes. Is it a throne of grace? Yes. I mean, even when they, when they put the Ark of the Covenant and they put that seat, what did they call that? They called it the mercy seat of God. He was just explaining that this is about who he is. This is his character. And God's been showing me, you have not, yeah, you know, not in a, not in a scolding way, but just in a loving, amazing way, opened my eyes to not seeing his throne as a throne of grace. You know, last week when Vince was sharing the gospel, he was talking about how that amazing throne in chapter three, he says that we can actually sit with him on his throne. Why? 
It's a throne of grace. That he's knocking on the door as if we answer and receive. He goes, one day we can sit with him on his throne. And then he describes that revelation for throne. Incredible. Why? Because it's a throne of grace. See, I don't know. Okay, look, we all, all of us are going to lean one way or another. We're just going to tend to overemphasize one side of what God is like. And I don't know where you are on that. My guess is, you know, just from meeting people that most emphasize his grace and his mercy and kind of forget about his judgment and his wrath. And a lot of it is, it depends on who we grew up with. We do have baggage. Um, I try to deny it, you know, like, nope, God's healed me of everything. But now he's just showing me, no, I need to heal you of more. Because you don't understand what it means to have a father that would show grace. I don't know if you grew up with a dad who was super strong. And just what he said goes. And he led that house. But there was no relationship. There's no drawing near. There's no such thing as a throne of grace. Or maybe you had a dad who was just your buddy. And he never confronted you on things. Never punished you when you did what was wrong. And really was not the head of his house. You know, kind of a Homer Simpson type of, you know, whatever, I just, you know, I just want to be your friend. I just want to. And so you naturally just think, oh, God is so weak up there. There's just some of you are just like, I'm just going to argue with him. I'm going to tell him why he was wrong. I'm going to question him why he did this in, in the book of Numbers. Why did, like, and so recognize, like, I try, I, I try really hard to be both, okay? I'm trying to be the perfect dad, okay, where I'm like, nope, I've got to be the head of this house because God is the head. I need to show his strength. He has authority. I've got to show authority. And then God wants relationship. And he wants me to draw near. And so it's like, okay, then let me have relationship with each of my kids and have them draw near to me. I, I want to bond with my kids. I want relationship with my kids. I want them to love me. I want to love them. I want to have feelings for each other. I, 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 I'm trying to be both. I'm trying to be everything that God is. According to scripture, I want to be that. But I fail, just like my dad failed, just like every even good Christian father who's trying his best is going to fail. But that's our job as men, to be a picture of God to our children. And it's tough. And so it causes us then to have certain things jump out. 
because of that baggage. And so that's why we need this verse. It says, so with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So I could come before God and his throne of grace, especially because of what he says earlier. Okay, some of these phrases, it was very hard for me to believe. Because again, in my background, my training, the teaching I've heard, I just don't, we didn't talk about this a lot. Okay, first he says, since we have a great high priest, could you guys, some of you who didn't grow up Catholic maybe don't have like an understanding of what, what is a priest? Are you a priest? Kind of. You, you know, like what, what is a priest? The idea of a priest was kind of like a, like a go-between. You know, like, like um, it's like if Alex wants, you know, to talk to God, I, I'm kind of like a... Maybe just a little bit above you, you know, just a little bit. Let me, let me go to God for you. In the Old Testament, you remember the high priest, you couldn't just go into the Holy of Holies. No one could except the high priest because that was the presence of God. So he would go in on behalf of the people. And so in, the, in, in this context, he's talking about we have a high priest, but he's talking this is a great high priest. This is not just another man like you, but this is Jesus who's the high priest. So just like that high priest would go in the Holy of Holies and get in the presence of God and come back out, you know, and represent you, just like Moses went up on that mountaintop, but no one else could go up there, and he'd go talk to God, and he comes back down with the commandments and tells him who God is. That's the idea of the priest. He's kind of going back and forth in a sense. And here it says, we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens. So he goes, now this is Jesus, who is actually our high priest, who is actually in heaven at the very throne of God. That's who our priest is. So I'm not your priest, okay? Jesus is your high priest. Isn't that amazing? And he goes, since he's kind of the go-between and he's right there at the throne and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, he goes, let us hold fast to our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. This was hard for me to believe. I'm just being honest with you. This is not how I naturally think of Jesus. But that's why we need the word of God. Because I will have a thought or an opinion of God. You'll walk in here with these thoughts of God. And then you'll read the scriptures and go, ooh, that's not the way I thought of him. And that's why the word of God washes us. It cleanses us. Because I'm thinking, he doesn't understand. He can't sympathize with my weaknesses. He doesn't understand my weakness. He's perfect. How can a perfect person get my weaknesses? How can someone who's never sinned 
sympathize with all the garbage in my life. And so I have a hard time believing this, but I do. It's not natural for me to believe this verse. But I'm like, okay, it's the word of God. I need to tremble at it. And he says, I've got this high priest who is able to sympathize. Jesus understands my weaknesses. Well, it made me think of all those commercials that says he gets us, Jesus, you know. But really that's what it's saying is, he gets us? Don't some of you have a hard time believing this? You know, and, and what's even harder is the next part. But one who in every, in every respect has been tempted as we are. Wait, Jesus was tempted in every respect just as we are. When you think of holy Jesus, is that what you naturally think? Oh, he understands my weaknesses. He understands my temptation. Maybe for some of you it is, and, and praise God for that. I'm just telling you, for me, those are hard. I don't naturally think of Jesus sympathizing with my weakness and being tempted in every way just like I am. I mean, when some of you think about the things you've done, the things you've thought, and maybe even some of the stuff you thought about or did this week, you just think, Jesus does not understand this. He's just angry with me. Because he's holy. And so he doesn't understand why my mind would be so weak why my emotions are so uncontrolled sometimes. But then we gotta come and go, no, that's what he says. But he made it through, he's tempted like we are, but he didn't sin, so it's not a God who's saying, oh, I get you, don't worry about it. He's saying, look, I get you, I understand the temptation, I tasted that temptation. It was right there in my face, just like it is with yours. But I made it through, and you can also. So it's an, it's an understanding, but it's like, come on, I got you. Now you can come to me, come to my throne of grace. Come before the throne of grace with confidence. This is why we can do it. And he says, you do that, and you'll receive mercy and find grace in the time of need. I don't know why. I can't tell you why. 
my mind and my heart struggle with some of this. But all I can do is come before the throne of grace and go, God, what is my deal? Why do I not normally look at your throne as a throne of grace? I am coming before your throne of grace. Now that I see this and I tremble at your word, so I'm going to confidently just come to your throne, almighty God, because of Jesus as my high priest, I'm coming before your throne of grace. God almighty, your throne is a throne of grace. So help me in my time of weakness. Help me because I've had baggage that I've been holding on to for 50 years. But I believe you can take it away because you say it right there in your word. And that you want to, when you go there, that's what you're going to find. Do you believe that? Do you believe his throne is a throne of grace? That if you go to him, he's going to give you grace. It's like if you went to the noodle shop. It'd be weird to get there and they go, man, we only serve hamburgers or Mexican food. You're just like, oh my gosh, you said it was a noodle shop. Why? Why? You know, you would just be so good. It's the same thing. Like you're going to the throne of grace. So what do you think when you're going to, when you go to the throne of grace, what are you going to receive? Condemnation? He's saying, for those of you who will come to my throne of grace, through Jesus, understanding that he's a high priest that's felt what I felt, that, that is tempted like I'm tempted, and was weak like I was weak, and he can sympathize with all of that, that I can go to his father's throne, and I would receive mercy and grace. Why? Because that's who he is. This is his very nature. This is the very name of his throne. It's the throne of grace because that's who our God is. Despite what you think, what you've experienced in life, you've got to put that aside and know this is what the word of God says. And I can draw near to him. The God who dwells in unapproachable light. I can draw near to him. This is nuts. Believe this. I've been praying that you would believe this. Praying that no matter what you've done in life, no matter what background you have, no matter what your father, your parents were like, whether your parents abandoned you or whatever, that God would break through all of that. And you would see his throne as a throne of grace. I just wanted to. Trying to discern what God wants me to share next. I have two thoughts and. All right, I'm going to go with um, Matthew 11. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, 
All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, so why do we find grace when we come to the throne? Because God is a God of grace. It's who he is. So our confidence is not in, well, I lived a pretty good week this week. I, I, I avoided major sins, so now I can come to his throne, right? That's the way I felt in the past. Like, this was a good week. I'm going to go ask him for something. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of like some of you will do that with your dad or whatever else. It's like, okay, I've been pretty good. I just got my report card. I'm going to ask him now before I screw up. It's just that same mindset, right? And uh, because we, we sometimes look at our behavior, and because of what I did, I can come and approach that throne. No, we go and we have confidence because of who he is. And this verse, I just read a, well, half a book about it, um, kind of blew me away when he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Very important phrase. Again, another phrase that I didn't naturally see. But this is the only place in the Bible where Jesus describes his own heart. Look it up. Look for another verse. There's not another verse where Jesus describes his own heart. And so the one place where you have Jesus describing his heart, he uses the words gentle and lowly. Jesus, the almighty son of God, God with a hundred million angels screaming out how worthy he is. He says, you want to know my heart? And you got to understand that word heart and what the word heart means. The heart was not just a part of a person. It, it was the very core of his being. It was the very center of a person. This is what you are. And he goes, you want to know my heart? You want to know what it's like? Gentle and lowly. And that's convicting to me. Because I think those were not the first two words that came to my mind. If you were to ask me about the heart of God, I would have described it differently. Yet the way Jesus describes himself should matter to us. And he says, I'm gentle and lowly. He's humble. Our God is humble. I mean, we, we, we see that in Jesus and his time on earth, but somehow we, we, we almost disassociate it with God in the Father, or who Jesus is now, as though that was like a little respite, a little like, a, you know, parenthesis in his holiness. When he was on the earth, he was somehow different. He's saying, no, 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 this is who I am. This is my heart. 
I am gentle and lowly. And, and Jesus was the exact image of God. He was the exact image of the invisible God. It's not like the Father is one way and Jesus on earth was something different. No, on earth he was putting on display who he is. He's gentle and lowly in heart. And so he says, are you guys tired? Are you guys worn out? Do you feel like you've got this burden on your back? You just feel like you're just never matching up and you're so frustrated. He goes, man, come, take my yoke on you. You know the yoke, you know the thing that would go, oh man, I should have brought one. Like a, you know, it's like this big wooden thing with the two loops, you know, and you put oxen on them and they're just, you you know, I mean, most of us have have grown up with oxen and, uh, you know, and they're just plowing the ground, you know, which was our chores, right? You know, growing up, you're following these two oxen in this one yoke going together. And Jesus says, hey, you feel like it's just too much? Why don't you jump in my yoke with me? Take my yoke. Could you imagine? Let's see one of those yoke things with the two little loops. And Jesus is in one of them. He goes, why don't you come to mine? It's like, yeah. I mean, if Kevin, Kim, and I are plowing a field together, then Jesus is like, hey, I got an empty spot on mine. <laughs> See you, Kevin. Um, this is going to be way easier. I'm going to jump in that yoke over there. He says, come to me. You guys tired? You tired of like feeling like you failed me every time? You feel like you're just trying to break these sins and it just keeps coming back? And you're, very, you're scared to come to the very throne that can save you from this. Come in your time of need. You're going to find grace. You're going to receive mercy in your time of need. How close... How close are you right now to the throne of God? Because God is saying to us, I want you to draw near confidently. Draw near. You see that throne with the lightning and the thunder and the fire and the angels and Everyone screaming out his holiness. He's saying to you, I want you to get up here with me. I want you to draw near to my throne of grace and believe my word. Not your feelings. Not what other people have told you. I want you to draw near and you'll receive mercy and you'll find grace in your time of need. When I prayed for you, my prayer is not just that you would understand this, 
but that you would experience it tonight. And you would literally draw near to the throne of grace. It's not enough for you to say, oh, wow, that was great teaching. Now I know I can. That's not what I'm praying for tonight. That's great. I gave you a little bit of knowledge. I want you to taste it. I want to taste it. I want to know just how near can I get to this throne, God? Help me. Help me. Get rid of all the lies and just draw me near to you, Jesus. Let's trust the word of God. Remember Moses going up to the mountaintop when no one else could draw near? They had to stay at the base of the mountain. And most of us look at Moses and go, what the heck? You were on a mountaintop with God for 40 days. You were on the mountain and heard his voice. We naturally assume, well, I'm not going to get there but can I just get close to that? But what do the scriptures say? That the ministry of the spirit should far exceed the glory of Moses. Okay, the word of God says we, if we trust the word of God, and again, this is not gonna be natural for you to think, I can get closer to God than Moses did. Well, the Bible says you can. The Bible says we actually have an advantage, that, that there's a oneness that Moses didn't get to experience that we can. There's a glory that's available through the ministry of the Spirit, that somehow, mysteriously, like God's Spirit enters into us and abides with us. And therefore, we can draw near to the throne of God, the throne of grace. And that's why I'm saying, I don't just want to talk about this. I'm going to pray that God breaks down all the demonic barriers and thinking that's been in this room all the thoughts of he'll never forgive me or I'll never be as close to him as Moses was. And that you would believe that you could draw near to the throne of grace tonight and receive mercy and find grace there. So we're going to spend some time just Worshiping. And as we're worshiping, I want you to mix everything we've been learning about the holiness and the throne of God with the throne of grace and how he wants us to believe his word. And we have a God who wants us to draw near. 
We're not trying to do something he doesn't want us to do, okay? In other words, we're not like, ah, I know you don't want me to do this, but I'm going to come closer. He says, what does my word say? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Who's the one that's knocking right now? It's Jesus. He's the one pursuing us. That's why you're here tonight. He's pursuing me. That's why he had, you know, Hebrews 4 jump out. And he's pursuing you. That's why he had me preach this to you tonight. So if the worship team wants to come up and just picture the throne. Just picture the throne of God. Holy, holy, holy God. He says, you can come to my throne. You're going to find grace here. I'm a God of grace. If I wasn't a God of grace, the cross would make no sense. It wasn't you pursuing me. It's just who I am. I'm a God of mercy. I'm a God of grace. I had to go after you. And now he's saying, draw near confidently. Because I told you it's a throne of grace. Draw near. And you're going to receive mercy. You're going to receive grace in your time of need. Come before him. Ask for anything you need anything you need. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.